Hi everyone and welcome to this week's episode of Recovery Talk. This week I want to talk about something that I hear quite a lot and that is once an eating disorder, always an eating disorder. Is recovery actually possible? Is full recovery possible? Or would you always have to just kind of just deal with the eating disorder voice just being there in the background, creating chaos? Here's what I believe. I believe that full recovery is absolutely possible. I have fully recovered myself and I've seen other people fully recovered and stay fully recovered without relapsing. I don't think relapse is just something that's like inevitable when you are recovered from eating disorder. Like a relapse, just it's guaranteed to happen. Does it very often happen? Absolutely. But it's not something that is doomed to happen, right? But here's the other thing that I believe and have science to back up for. That is that when you have had an eating disorder, you're always going to have that vulnerability, meaning that you can never diet again. And if you do, that puts you in a very high risk of relapse. I'm not saying that everyone who has had an eating disorder who goes on a diet automatically relapses. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is that there is a high chance that if you go on some form of restrictive diet after an eating disorder, you'll notice certain thoughts and feelings and behaviors coming creeping back. And here is the thing, and this some people find a little bit surprising. This can very often happen also with unintentional weight loss and unintentional, uh, what can I say? I wouldn't call it restriction because it's unintentional, but unintentional undereating. So for example, imagine if you have the flu for a week or you have a stomach bug for a week and you just lose all your appetite. Maybe you're throwing up and you find it very hard to just keep food down in general. And you might lose a little bit of weight during this week as well. I mean, There's a bit of a limit to how much weight you can lose in a week that's actually body weight. But yeah, basically have a week where you are taking in way too little energy. And what I very often hear from people experiencing being sick for like even just a few days or a week is that they notice that certain thoughts come back. And of course, it's not like they intentionally chose, yay, I'm going to go get the flu, right? Or, oh, I'm going to get the flu so I can lose a bunch of weight and not have appetite for a week. I mean, if someone's doing that, that kind of would suggest that they're in the active stages of an eating disorder. Because a healthy, non-eating disorder person wouldn't think that way. And if they do, I would probably argue that you're heading a little bit more towards the disordered side of things, right? So essentially, what I often hear from people who experience having a week of the flu or stomach bug or maybe some dodgy side effects from starting a medication, could be anything really, is that they notice that certain thoughts and behaviors try and come sneaking back. They notice that they suddenly get a little bit of a high from not eating and they're like, oh, it would be very tempting to just skip breakfast. And this will happen when they are, you know, towards the path of recovery. They suddenly notice, oh, I'm fine. I don't have the stomach bug anymore. Now I can eat normally again. And then they're like, oh, but actually, I kind of feel like skipping breakfast today. That would be great. And also, should I go for a very long walk? Yeah, definitely. Good idea. And ooh, interesting. Maybe it seems like I lost a bit of weight from this from this stomach bug. Uh, let me make sure not to gain that back. And actually, when I think about it, I'm looking myself in the mirror now. I could probably lose a little bit more. I mean, why quit now? 
I had forgotten how good it feels to be hungry. <laughs> Can you hear? This is what I mean. These things come kind of creeping back and people are like, ooh, that's so weird because I didn't intentionally, it's not like I was like, I'm going to start a diet, right? It's people actually experiencing a week of undernourishment that was not intended. And this is why so much of the work I do when I work with clients is to prepare for those times and have a bit of a backup plan for what you're going to do when your appetite is gone and when you have had a period where maybe you haven't gotten enough food in and you feel certain thoughts and behaviors and urges come creeping back. Because here's the thing, I see an eating disorder a little bit like like a light switch, right? Restriction can really quickly turn on that light switch. So what we want to do is we want to turn it back off, right? We want to keep that light switch off. And in order to turn the light switch off, we need refeeding. We need you to eat more, rest up, you know, allow yureself to recover from this period of under eating. Even if it was just a few days, even if it was just a week, you need to eat to get out of the undernourishment stage. If you all of a sudden now, after having had a period of a stomach bug or virus or whatsoever, or medication side effects, stress whatsoever, had a period where you haven't eaten that much and you suddenly now feel like because you haven't eaten, a mu- eaten that much, you feel like not eating, that is a clear sign that you really, really need to eat and you need to do it right now. And if you do feel like eating, you also need to eat. So basically what we want to do, we want to turn the switch off, right? The switch got turned on from a period of undernourishment and we want to turn it off by re-nourishing you. Would I call this a relapse? No. I would call it a relapse if the switch don't get turned back off, right? But if it stays on, of course, that will be a relapse. I see this so often working with clients that they'll do very well and then they have a stomach bug or they'll start a new medication or they have a flu or a cold or something will happen. They have a grief whatsoever and their appetite goes down and they end up not eating enough for, could literally just be like a few days or a week. And then suddenly they will just be like, whoa, this is kind of creepy. I suddenly feel things and thoughts and feelings coming back that I haven't had since before we started working together. What's going on? Am I relapsing? Then I always explain to them, you know, what's going on. And we always make a very, very specific plan to get back on track. Like we will very much in those moments, we'll focus on getting the food in. We will set specific plans like, okay, we need to get you back on track with the food and, you know, rest, of course, if that's been an issue as well. And what I see time and time again is that these thoughts and feelings, that that little period of undernourishment triggered, those feelings tend to go away when the person gets back on track with, you know, food and nourishment and rest and all of those important, great things that we need in recovery. And I think being aware of the switch is so important because if you know that there is a switch there and you know that you actually can have power of turning that one on and off, right? That gives you so much power. Instead of feeling like your eating disorder is just this mysterious thing that just comes and attacks you and you have no control over it. You can actually see that you can do certain behaviors that make it harder for the eating disorder to take control again, right? This is not to say that eating disorder is a choice. This is not to say that relapse is a choice. That's not really how I operate. But I always say that recovery is a choice. And I think that awareness uh, about what you can control is really, really helpful in recovery. When I say that I'm fully recovered from eating disorder, very often people don't believe me. And that's been a bit of a pattern for many, many years. I, at one point, just decided I'm not going to post food anymore. Partly because I was less food obsessed and I didn't care that much, but also because it became really exhausting because no matter what I would post, someone would find some kind of 
a symptom of an eating disorder in what I was posting. If I were post that I was enjoying myself and having a bunch of sweets and chocolate, I would be accused of, you know, binging. And if I would post myself, if I post that I had a, a plate of fruits, I would be accused of, you know, restricting, right? So it's like, I could not win. <laughs> I could not win. If I said I went for a walk, that would be seen as, you know, me restricting. But then if I admit it, which is the truth, that I'm actually not really that active, that would also be seen as, you know, am I avoiding exercise because I'm in my eating disorder, right? <laughs> it's like, no, it's just that not everyone loves going for a run. I mean, I, I just don't really like it. It's fine. I just don't like it. Maybe one day I'll like it. Um, but no, it's just not my thing. Or I would just flat out be accused of lying and secretly being this <laughs> gym bunny. <laughs> like this closet gym bunny. And fun fact, it was never my thing. During my eating disorder, I didn't exercise, like, at all. I was completely sedentary, yeah. And then I also often have people who really, like, really, like, focus on, on my body, which also made me be more careful, like, what I post on Instagram, like, be, you know, maybe I shouldn't post myself with tight clothing, maybe I shouldn't post myself in a bikini, because people will be like, have you gained weight, have you lost weight? And that became kind of exhausting, because now it's kind of like, okay, what was the left to post, right? And I think it's important to highlight that the people who would make these comments were people with eating disorders themselves. Because the people around me that, you know, especially those who were close with me and saw me from day to day, they did not make those comments. Because there was not really anything to comment on, right? But I think that people with eating disorder can be a bit more... What can I say? I think people with eating disorder, whether whether someone who have an eating disorder or have had an eating disorder, and I mean, me as someone who have had an eating disorder, I know that I'm more able to spot eating disorders in other people than someone without an eating disorder is. I just remember during the depths of my eating disorder, in my head, everyone around me had an eating disorder, or at least some form of disordered eating. I saw eating disorders everywhere. I even thought my dog had an eating disorder. I would accuse family members. It was like ridiculous. And I was just like, oh my god, everyone has an eating disorder. The whole world has an eating disorder. How can I recover when everyone is sick, right? And then now, am I able to spot eating disorders quicker than someone else because it is literally my profession to do so? I mean, yeah. But it's also not something that I will intentionally look for right now. If I were to go for a dinner with a bunch of people, I wouldn't really look at what the other people are ordering. Are they eating slow? Are they not eating the pasta on the side and only having the chicken? Like, what are they doing? I wouldn't look at it because it's like I wouldn't really register it. I would probably focus on other things. I always tell this to people in recovery because for them it's like, wait, but everyone has an eating disorder. How am I going to recover when everyone around me is so triggering? And I try telling them that, yeah, it's a little bit like a pregnant person who will see pregnant people everywhere, right? And that can be a big relief knowing that you're not always going to be tuned into seeing disorder, disorder, disorder everywhere. And I had such an annoying experience with this because <laughs> in my last episode, I literally say... Um, so I'm seeing a psychotherapist, but not for my eating disorder. I wanted to clarify that I'm fine in terms of past eating disorder issues. I was going to psychotherapist for something else, but what ended up, because of the way I phrased it, ended up seeing like, I have an eating disorder, but I'm doing the therapy for something else than my eating disorder, right? And afterwards I was just like, ah, because I, I didn't know how to go back and edit it because I already like deleted the original episode because I have so little space on my computer for making these episodes every week. And I was just like, oh, great, great. I'm going to be accused of secretly having an eating disorder again and just tricking everyone. 
<laughs> okay, I do think most people knew what I meant. Um, but still, I was just thinking, oh my god, should I delete the whole thing? And also because I talk so much about my eating disorder past, that sometimes I literally just kind of phrase it wrong, to be honest. And part of why I use my past so much is that I want to remind you guys, I'm not some like authority figure above you just talking down to you. Like I am here with you. I have been there. I've done that. I see myself as part of this community, even though I'm recovered. But that can also sometimes mean that I will talk almost like I am like in the middle of an eating disorder. But I also kind of like that these episodes are very like raw and you know that there are going to be slip ups. There are going to be times where I say something that I could have phrased in a better way. There are times where I say something and I use the wrong word. I mispronounce things. You know, that's going to happen. I'll blame it on my ADD. Or I'll blame it on literally being a human being. But yeah, I have been quite transparent with the fact that I, I mean... I haven't always, you know, even since after my recovery, I haven't had always the perfect mental health. I have struggled like so many. And especially I've been talking about my struggle with anxiety and especially claustrophobia, panic disorder, and how I have some very specific phobias that I work very hard to keep at bay with exposure therapy. That's kind of what's really worked for me. I've been very transparent about that. I'll never pretend that I'm just like above mental struggles because I'm not. None of us are. But an eating disorder is no longer part of my struggle. And actually, I would say that I feel like when it comes to my relationship with food and body, I feel like I have a better relationship with food and body than most people that don't even have an eating disorder, have never had an eating disorder. And this is something I see very often with people who have recovered. If someone has a very firm, steady recovery and really worked on their values, they might actually find that their relationship with food and body is healthier than maybe it was before the eating disorder and also healthier than a lot of people around them without eating disorders. And this is something I keep thinking about. If I hadn't had an eating disorder, would I have been one of those people who on and off diet? Would I have been one of those people who just randomly cut out a random food group because I read so in the magazine? Would I be one of those people who are just constantly critical of my own body? So could it be that my eating disorder maybe saved me a little bit in a way? It saved me from dieting? Because I know now that with my eating disorder past, I can never diet again. And I mean, I don't have any desire to either. It's not like I'm like, oh, damn it, I wish I could diet. <laughs> but it's, it's just not more that like I'm dieting. I've seen right through it. I know how bullshit it is. I know that it doesn't work. I know that it just goes against any, any biology. And it's just not sustainable. It's not healthy. It's, yeah, go on and on about that. But I just wonder, would I have that knowledge if it wasn't for my eating disorder forcing me to learn it the hard way? And this is not to say, oh yeah, getting an eating disorder is great because then you learn diet culture is bullshit and you learn you can never diet again. That's absolutely not what I'm saying. But I think for me, it's so important to be able to look back at past experiences and see, did anything good come out of it? Because for such a long time, I was looking back at my eating disorder and I was just like, oh my god, what a freaking waste. I lost my, you know, those years of my life that I should have done all of these fun things. I should have gone, gone out with friends. I should have been like dating. I should have done all of these things when I was in my teens and I didn't. And that sometimes makes me feel very like sad to think about. But I always try to think, did I learn anything from it? Did anything positive come out of it? 
And I do think that that could be a benefit, you know, that could be a nice lesson. I've learned to see right through diet culture BS. And I think the thought of never dieting again, for some people that can just be the biggest relief, whilst for other people it's almost like a grief, you know. I think it's so interesting to see how a lot of people with eating disorders respond to the thought of dieting or cutting out foods or food groups with almost excitement. For instance, I've heard people with eating disorders who even the thought of being on like an elimination diet. Imagine if someone has a suspected case of celiac disease and they need to do an elimination diet, right? The thought of that excites them. Whilst very often, most often, a person without an eating disorder will just be like, oh, this friggin' sucks. I think this is part why a lot of people with eating disorder get so drawn towards all sorts of uh, ways of eating slash diets that eliminate one thing, thing or another, even though it's not necessarily related to weight loss. It might be for some people, but very often just the thought of like eliminating a specific type of food creates some excitement because it gives that little... And, it gives that little control, it gives that food focus. Like, yes, I'm allowed to engage in a tiny, tiny, tiny bit of those behaviors. I'm not saying this is a case for everyone, of course. Um, I am at a point now where if I were to go on an elimination diet because I had to, I would not be happy about it at all. I'd be like, oh, this is so annoying. In general, I think that if you react to the prospect of cutting out a food, whether that be for perfectly healthy reasons or not, that could be an indicator that there's something to work to work with there, right? And of course, there are cases where that would not apply. Imagine if you have a suspected case of actual celiac disease and you're in crippling pain, then of course you might feel excited by the thought of not having those symptoms anymore. So you might feel excited by the thought of, you know, not eating bread that has gluten in it for that reason. So again, there is nuance and balance here. I feel like nuance and balance is just something I keep repeating in like every episode, but I do have to keep repeating it because... I know most people, they already know, of course there's nuance and balance, I don't need to say it, but there are some people who don't see it that way, and where if I don't say anything, if I say something and I don't include the exact situations where things might be otherwise, or include every like nuance, every alternative explanation, people are like, so what you're saying is, and I'm just like, no, that's not what I'm saying, but that's what you are hearing. But yeah, anyways... I guess kind of to conclude, uh, back to, you know, the original question is once an eating disorder, always an eating disorder, I will say no, I don't believe that's how it is, but I believe once an eating disorder, always a vulnerability. And how you see that vulnerability really depends on, you know, how you see things in general. I am an optimist. Uh, some people might find that annoying. I feel like I haven't had a choice. If I hadn't been an optimist, I don't think I would have, you know, made it through life. I, I have to be an optimist because the alternative is just too depressing for me, right? So I choose to see things positively. Of course, I see things realistically. It doesn't mean that I'm like toxic positivity or anything like that. But I try and see, well, is there something helpful here? Is there something we can learn from here? I don't think that's toxic positivity. I think that is literally being a likable human being to be around because <laughs> nobody wants to be around the opposite right so instead of seeing that vulnerability as this awful thing this awful ticking bomb i instead see it as you know that means that i can never diet again what a relief that means that i just have to be a bit more in tune with myself and my body and my needs and protect my mental space that means that i shouldn't engage in all of this diet culture bullshit and that's a relief that's great that's how I choose to see it. Some people might agree, other people might be like, that's ridiculous. 
But yeah, I can't deny that having an eating disorder, having had an eating disorder puts you in higher risk of relapse. Because saying that, oh no, that's not the case once you recover, it's just, you know, no risk, right? That is just statistically incorrect, right? Statistics show time and time again that an eating disorder does have a high risk of relapse. But I also want to remind you that a relapse doesn't necessarily mean the end, right? You can get out of a relapse. And I think... In addition to early prevention for eating disorders, I think relapse prevention as well is so important. These two things, I believe, are crucial things when it comes to eating disorders, yet often they are, I feel, quite neglected, especially like by treatment professionals. Of course, not everyone, but I feel like a lot of treatment professionals, they focus more in like the acute stages of an eating disorder rather than, okay, how can we prevent an eating disorder from happening in the earlier stages? And also, how can we prevent it from reoccurring? Of course, some practitioners are like that but not everyone there are some that are amazing in terms of preventing relapse and really make that a focus so i think that it is overall important when you have had an eating disorder just be aware that you do have this potential vulnerability and make a bit of a plan with yourself what will you do if things get difficult in the future this does not mean oh what will i do the next time i relapse because again seeing it that way that's (laughs) quite pessimistic right But having, being prepared, like, okay, what do I do if I experience, you know, maybe my dog dies or maybe I get a stomach bug? What can I do to be more steady throughout my future potential triggers? And if you're working with a good coach or therapist or whatsoever, you can work together on making a plan. I literally just call it relapse prevention plan, where we look out for what are the red flags, what would we do if there was a potential trigger in someone's life, what action steps would they make. Sometimes this will involve having like a backup meal plan that is high calorie, that you can just go over to mechanical eating. Other times it would would mean, you know, seeking out help specific places. I always tell my clients that in the future, if they have something unexpected, if they have an emergency, if they have a relapse, anything happens, they can reach out to me and I will prioritize them on my wait list. And this was the same thing when I went to eating disorder treatment. I was essentially told that if I have a relapse, I wouldn't need to go through the whole process again with waiting for months for treatment. I will be prioritized on the list because they wanted to kind of catch it early because I'm a former, you know, former patient, right? And I do the same with my former clients. This is something that people in the healthcare system often, but not always do. I believe it's absolutely crucial I'm not looking for people to just, you know, when I work with people, I'm not looking for them to just do well while they're working with me. I'm working, looking for them to do well forever and to have the tools able to handle difficult thoughts and emotions and urges for the future. So perhaps instead of seeing this vulnerability as an awful ticking bomb, like I mentioned earlier, what about trying to reframe it as something that could potentially be a strength? Because it does give you the reason to really vamp up your self-care. Not saying that you should need a reason to vamp up your self-care and protect yourself. But I think that for a lot of people, actually, you know, knowing that they have that vulnerability, that could lead them towards the path of, for instance, learning to set boundaries or unlearning diet culture. So many people I talk with, they're not really good at setting boundaries, but they came to a point with their eating disorder and recovery where they had someone around them. They were constantly talking about dieting. And that is what made them set boundaries and learn to set boundaries. And that is something that applies in different areas of their life. They started getting interested in learning to set boundaries because their aunt would never stop talking about her diet. But actually, this skill of boundary setting happened to have a really good effect on their relationship with their parents or with their friends or with their partner. 
So can you see how, you know, an eating disorder recovery therefrom can teach you a certain kindness towards yourself and encourage you to learn certain tools to protect yourself that you can apply in other areas of your life? For example, someone might work because of their recovery, they might work on learning to exit toxic conversations where there's, you know, diet talk. And then they realize because they learned this skill, they notice now that they can do that also in conversations that aren't necessarily about diet culture or anything, but they exit conversation where someone is talking badly about someone else, someone is gossiping, someone is talking about things that they don't want to be part of. They learn how to, you know, step away from those people in conversations in general, or they learn to let themselves rest. And this also means in general rest. It could mean, you know, not taking on all that extra work, um, from your boss just because you feel like you should and learning to say no and learning to prioritize rest scheduling in rest listening to your body and being amazed over your body and all the things it do for you this was a big thing for me during my recovery seeing and feeling my body healing itself was just incredibly powerful and it gave me a brand new respect for my body and it made me want to take care of myself it made me think well I really need to prioritize sleep I need to prioritize rest you know it made me want to really care for this body the way it had cared for me because this body literally fought so hard to keep me alive when I tried to kill it don't we owe our bodies that Don't we owe to give back to our bodies the love that we withheld from it for so long? So try and think, could there be a lesson in the pain? Because very often it is. That doesn't mean that the pain was a good thing. It doesn't mean that the pain was worth it, not at all. It just means that maybe somewhere deep in there, there was a lesson. And if you reject this type of view, that's completely fine. I know some of you are just like, no shit happens for no reason (laughs) and you know what that's completely okay it's just I guess how I see it and yeah just wanted to share it in case someone else maybe resonated with it so in general eating disorder recovery is all about choosing to tap out of diet culture being able to spot diet culture but also being more realistic about the fact that no not everyone has an eating disorder but a lot of people are engaging in behaviors that are kind of dodgy and you can choose not to do that. If anything, your eating disorder pass gives you a very good reason not to do it. Not that if you haven't had an eating disorder, you could just, yeah, let's just go diet and ruin your body. No. But it is a hard-earned lesson, isn't it? Anyways, guys, so for today's listener question, it is about set point weight. And if I could explain a bit more about set point and, you know, how do you know you're at your set point? And here's the thing. I will. And I have. Because I already recorded a whole episode on this and it will come out in, I think, a few weeks. Just because now we have a holiday season coming up and I have a few episodes just about, you know, surviving the holiday, basically. So I will put those out. But then I think it will be around maybe January. I will publish the episode, which I have recorded and ready, about set point weight, where I explain everything around that. So essentially, rather than just a quick answer, I wanted to give a whole episode, 25, 30 minutes or so explaining it. Uh, So I hope you guys will enjoy that episode. It will come out in a few weeks time, as soon as we are over the holiday season. Wishing you all the very best and I will see you all next week.